0: Welcome to the Brand Aid Podcast, where we talk business and branding with the biggest names in the biz. And this week, we have David Adelman, who has a long resume. He's CEO of Campus Apartments, founder of FS Investments, and lead director of Wheels Up, plus an investor in several cool startups, which we'll talk about. And David, my first question is, how does a man with your impressive resume know Griffin?
1: <laughs> you know what, Listen, everyone knows Griffin, right? So, you know, but you know, <laughs> I, until a few weeks ago, I didn't, but uh, it all comes back to all the deals you're in. So one of my you know favorite businesses is a company called Wheels Up, where uh, I put the original financing and the deal together. And I'm kind of like the lead director on the board and the guy who runs the West Coast and kind of our chief strategy officer. And I'm a, a guy named Miles Rogers, uh, is based out in LA with you guys. And, uh, For months, he's like, "You got to meet these guys. You got to meet these guys. You got to meet these guys." And like a couple weeks ago, he hooked Griff and I up, and like we hit it off. And I was like, "How did I not know these guys before
2: this?" (laughs) I appreciate that, Miles. We just had him on. Yeah, Um, we had him on the show. He's great. And when anytime Miles says someone's cool, you know, uh, you you gotta you gotta listen to him because he knows what he's talking about. So David and I met up and. Um, he has a lot of cool stuff, and I, I wanted to share that with, with my audience and you know, your audience because he, he's in a lot of things that people use and people have heard about, so um, I'm excited to talk about that.
0: <clears throat> you know, and David, I want to talk all about your investments, the startups, wheels up and all that, but I th- you have an interesting story. I kind of want to go back to the beginning because you had to, we were talking about mentoring before, you had to mentor David Horowitz of Campus Apartments since you were, I ran 11 Alan years Alan old. Alan Horowitz, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Alan Horowitz. Since you were 11 years old, is that
1: true? It is, it is. So, you know, like everyone, and I'm sure people in the audience, everyone has like a family friend when you're growing up that's like, you call him your uncle, but not really your uncle or like your aunt, or, you know, like one of those. And so uh, it's a great story. So uh, this guy, Alan Horowitz, Um, his mother and my grandmother were best friends. He was like a big brother to my mom growing up. Uh, they're both only children. So we always looked out after my mother, uh, really successful guy. Whereas his, his father died when he was 10 years old, leaving him some like kind of crappy real estate in Philadelphia where you collected rent by the week. And he was like 13, 14, 15 years old, going with his mom, knocking on doors every Friday to get the rent. And then, like, he was 17 or 18 years old. He's with his mom at the University of Pennsylvania for some reason. And they see a line outside a realtor's door. And he's like, Mom, they're waiting in line for apartments. Students need apartments. Like, And this is, like, in the 1950s, like, in the 50s, early 60s. And he's like, let's sell all that old shit and, you know, and buy some of this. And sure enough, like, he wasn't even 18 years old to, like, sign the deed. His mom signs the deed. He buys this stuff. Um, And all of a sudden, like becomes like one of the first guys to kind of like institutionalize student housing around the University of Pennsylvania in Philly. So little background. So he was the founder of the business. You know, he was his family friend, the guy you call uncle. And here's the whole story. I'm 11 years old. I'm playing basketball with Uncle Alan. And I guess like as a kid, I was like, I bet I can beat you. Right. Every kid says that. Oh, he's like even this guy. He's seventy-six years old. He's competitive as shit. Like he he will not let somebody else win. He's all he's, he's all about winning. And so like, not only did I not win, but like he like roped me in to teach me about gant like betting. So I bet on my football, my baseball glove, and like my bank book, my savings bank book. Okay, I'm I'm eleven years old, and I lose it. Okay, and so like, he's hustling was, like, a little kid at basketball and taking hustle a kid. Okay, yeah. <laughs> It takes all my shit. And then literally I have to go down to his office every Saturday and stack lumber. And each week I stacked lumber and like swept sawdust on 11 and I get one thing back. Okay. I do it again. Get the second thing. Back. I do it like a bunch of times, but then I went a few more times and he paid me. Right. And I was like, you know, like you, you got like 20 bucks when you're like 11 years old. You think you're like rich. And so you fast forward a little bit. I'm 13 years old. <laughs> I have my bar mitzvah. I have $2,000. And my parents say, what do you want to do with the money? We'll open a bank account. Like my grandfather was like, Oh, you should buy stocks. And like, and I was like, I want to do what uncle Alan does. I want to own buildings. So literally I handed him the $2,000. And he said, you're now my partner. And he was into it and I was into it. So literally like, you know, I'm a kid, like on weekends, I'm like going down there and like looking at the stuff and he's teaching me everything.
0: And like, that was like my baptism into real estate. That's incredible. Wow. We we're, were talking mentoring. Griffin, you know, I mean, you've got an incredible, you know, contact list. How important has mentoring been to you as part of your financial journey?
2: I mean, yeah, it's, it's honestly been everything for me. It started off with Michael, of course. And, you know, Michael's young too. We're we're basically the same age and he has a really great network. and And, and luckily I was able to you know, take that and and build from it. And some of my relationships are, you know, ones that I've met because of Michael. And then some of them are people I met because of Michael through, like, and then through those people. And it just continues to grow. But, um, you know, luckily a lot of people, and I was surprised are are willing to help us through the journey. And um, for people that are listening to this, that might not have the same connections to uh, the network that I've been blessed to have it's just having that, that adult presence first off for the wisdom and people, um, to take notes from. And on top of that, people <clears throat> in in your space that have already done it and have been successful, re- regardless of what that is, it, it's very crucial. Um, just because there's a lot of things, you know, I, I've had people ask me about content and I'm like rattling off, like, don't do this, don't do that. I tried this and then, you know, it, it makes sense. So, Definitely plays a large part. And I, I, I'm very thankful to have people like David in my, in my network to help me learn.
0: David, you so it's wild that you're CEO of the company that you invested $2,000 of your bar mitzvah money into. I mean, it's, what a wild ride. Well, you know,
1: look, it's, it's even crazier because what happened is, so we, we owned a bunch of apartments around the University of Pennsylvania. And I started looking to say, like, why doesn't anyone do this around the country? like in a national scale, like hotel guys or office guys or whatever. And like when I got in the business, it was like a very mom and pop business. Okay. I mean, even today, the top 10 owners of student housing only control about 10 to 15% of the market. It's still very fragmented. It used to be an even lower number. And so I was like, why can't I turn this into like an institutional business? And so like I'm 25, 26, 27. I'm saying now I'm like, I want to go do this around the country. And to his credit, he was like, listen, like, I'm good. Like, have at it. Like, literally, like, I just said, well, I'm going to go do it then. And uh, he's been my partner ever since. And I've just been like, let's just go invent a category
0: in real estate. And that's what I did. Wow. And that's impressive. And, you know, I was looking too. You've got so many jobs. I mean, let's talk. Let's rattle off a couple here. So you're CEO of Campus Apartments. Is that your main, is that your day job? Yes. Okay. So then we've got FS Investments. Oh, first of all, just on the campus apartment thing, you've got $2 billion in assets. Yeah. Is that amazing? When you started and you invested $2,000, what did, what did he own at that time, you think? Yeah, I, you know, I would say the portfolio in Philly
1: at that time was probably, you know, he had done well. I mean, $20, $30 million of real estate at that time. Wow. wow. Holy so cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I look, Alan was a self-made guy who did it. I, I got very fortunate, like, and I always say to everyone, like, you know, you know, I, I didn't start on you know on for, on first base. It wasn't third base either, but it was like you know I definitely had like a little bit of a platform to go out and like you know build it and take some risk and go do it. And so and so you know what happened is you know if you fast forward today, what does that look like? You know, we we house about twenty five thousand college students across the country. Okay. And so we, we do things. So we look like a traditional real estate developer, you know, buy a building, renovate it, rebrand it. That's easy. Uh, but we're also big developers. So in the last 10 years, we've done about 1.4 billion in construction. So like, wow. we like, we like to build shit too. And that, so that happens a lot as well.
2: I want to ask something I, for the, for the marketing on that. Is it, is it pretty like, it just stays in the colleges, right? Like, is that, what does what the marketing scene look like for, for something in that space?
1: So if you think about it, you're marketing to really three constituents, okay? Uh, one, obviously, the students, they have to want to live there. But two, mom and dad who are paying for it. And then three, the universities want to make sure that the people taking care of their students are, you know, responsible good guys, right? And so that's really important, too. So, like, for us, we make sure to think about, like, the full constituency, not just the student.
2: Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense because um, I, I'm curious too, because there's a lot of products. For instance, I wanted to do like an instant, like, um, you know, for, for rooms and, I, and I, my target audience was going to be highly in the college, like dormitory uh, scene. And it, the, the, the real marketing between it was how do we get that to the parents and not the student? And I think that's for a lot of products in the, you know, college demo, unless it's something like they use like an alcohol or, um, Correct. something like that. I, I I've realized that, uh, parents are definitely the key, the key target in figuring out how you, how you hit those. So I was just curious on, on what you did and I, I figured it would be something in that vein. Um, and just for people listening to this, I, if you ever have any ideas of creating something in that college demo, it, it's very crucial. Is it something that your mom and dad would go out and buy for you from the store? Um, or is it something that you personally go out and you're like, Oh, Hey, I I, I would use that. So definitely changes the marketing.
0: Totally. Right. I agree. <clears throat> David, I want to talk, um, cause we have younger listeners, you know, Griffin has a younger fan base and we t- Griffin is kind of on a mission to give, you know, these younger fans some financial advice and kind of take in this part of this podcast is that to take the listener along his journey. Um, Talk to me about FS Investments. So it's a $24 billion alternative fund. First of all, what the hell is an alternative fund? What, what does that mean? <laughs> so so uh, I'll answer your question in a second.
1: So what, there was a point in time where I started, as I started gaining success, I was like, wow, I get to invest in some really cool stuff. People bring me deals I can invest. And there's a thing for your listeners called being an accredited investor. Okay. Okay. And so if Griff or you, Tom, want to invest in a venture fund or even in like somebody's deal, you technically have to be accredited to do it. And what does that mean? It means you have a minimum income of two hundred thousand a year, a minimum or a worth of a million dollars or more. They want to know that you're at least like have some level of sophistication or net worth that these are highly speculative deals that could go to zero right and so that that that's important to have investor protections but what does that leave you if you are middle america and or a young investor stocks and bonds okay and so forever it was like hey you're going to own 60% stocks 40% bonds and that's it well and but then you look at like wealthy people and like I could invest in a Blackstone fund or another private equity fund or stuff like that because I was accredited. And all of a sudden I have access to products that you know. it kind of like, it was kind of unfair, right? But also I'm taking risks, they're speculative. So in theory, I could afford to lose. But I was like, there's gotta be a way to create like that tier of alternative investments for everybody else, okay? And so in 2007, we started a business called FS Investments. And the goal was, could we bring alternative investments to the like kind of to the masses, okay? Could we bring other structures and in a safe way, transparent way, uh, you know, full disclosure of fees and et cetera. Right. And so we we invented a series of funds and I won't bore you with it, but it's called a BDC, a business development company. It's kind of like what a mutual fund is a fund, or if you know what a REIT is, which is a real estate portfolio. And so it allows investors to buy in get a 1099, you know, for filing your taxes that you would get, you know, and it's a very simple way to access it. And so we create this um, and we have different strategies from lending to energy, to global credit and lots of different strategies to do that. But the goal was to make it available for as little as $5,000, where normally a minimum investment in something, you know, speculative would be 250, 500 or a million dollars. And so the goal was, could we develop products that serve the market where individuals could buy those products through a trusted broker dealer that they, um, you know, have an existing relationship with or one of their banks where they're, you know, keeping their money and, you know, kind of reestablish the game in a way where everyone can participate in things. And, you know, I view it as kind of democratizing kind of alternative assets.
2: That's that's super interesting. I saw, um, too. Whenever I I looked at your um, you know website for that, it was it was very um, interesting because it was clean and I, I liked the way it looked. But it was also fun. And there's a lot of um, you know companies and products that I know my followers would either use or are interested in. And and a lot of Gen Z and um, that demographic. So I really liked what what you had. Whenever I uh, searched searched you up and and saw your website, it was it was yeah. Super you're talking cool. about
1: the Darko Capital website, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Um, yeah, and that's a, that's another good thing too. It's like uh, it's not exactly like um, marketing, but it's just a good thing to have that website that people can come back to. Like I've seen a lot of, you know, the, your Darko Capital could have been boring as shit. You know, like it, it could have just been the basics. And I see a lot of people in that vein that have that. So it was really refreshing. Um, whenever I looked, I'm like, wow, this is this is pretty dope.
1: I appreciate it. I mean, I think for me, you know, so after I, you know, I I had a little bit of success, made a little bit of money, I was like, well, what, what interests me? And I wanted to invest, you know, for me, it's really about like two things important, invest in brands that I align with and invest in founders that I really, you know, either believe in or know that I can make a difference with. And then, so as I started doing this and getting involved with founders and people I really like, you know, the goal was like, I don't want to run their businesses. I'm too busy running my own businesses, but I have experience. And you know, you guys were talking about mentorship earlier. And to me, like the best thing a mentor can do is tell you all the fucking mistakes they made. Right. Like, so like, I have like this, I have this big rule at campus apartments, my other places is like, Hey, I want everyone to fucking push it, work really hard. And make mistakes but like i have one rule just don't make the same mistake twice right like learn your lessons and so listen i i still have mentors people much older than me that i'm like all and i always say like tell me what you did wrong i don't want to hear about what went right but where'd you make your mistakes and so like i love mentoring people because i'm like hey i have i have people who did it for me i have things i can share and you know if you're a founder of a company and you're you know in your 20s doing something you might have a great idea and have like a great marketing mind. Like, like I look at Griff and I'm like, Holy shit, this guy's got like fucking great ideas, marketing and stuff like that. But like, I might be able to help him when it comes to structuring the deal and the financing and the stuff like that. When you put that together, it's pretty powerful. Right. And so I created the Darko Capital, you know, website and brand. So other founders could see, Hey, you know, this is what Edelman can do for us. This is who he's involved with. And can I like get everyone to work together and create some synergy? And that's why I did it.
0: David, is that something Super that, cool. So that's not something Griffin and I can buy, get in, right? That's your own deal. People can't invest money in that, right? Yeah, that's so. Basically, Darko Capital is like
1: kind of a vehicle where I said like, hey, let me let me let me take my money from my other businesses and put it to work in you know venture and private equity. Um, but like those businesses aren't all solely owned by me. There's other people investing, and so like when we're you know like I just did a great deal with some young guys that are in their early 20s, an alcohol deal in the uh, ready-to-drink space. It's called VIDE. Okay. And uh, Olivia Colpo came in with me, and we we did it. And like, but like, I certainly went to my friends, and I was like, "Look, here's why I'm investing. Here's why I like it. Here's what I think the risks are." They're looking to raise a little more capital. You guys want to raise it? And like, you know, I have friends who've relied on me and looked at me and like said, "Hey, not everyone wins, and some lose." But like, here's why I think that. You know, the, I always say in venture capital, like you have a hundred percent chance of losing a hundred percent of your money, right? <laughs> but like, as the company. Progresses and makes progress, the chance of losing all your money diminishes. You still might lose something, but like as they prove themselves, the risk gets less. And so, like those are the things where I'll try and you know share it to people that I'm involved with or friends with, and say, you know, do you have or
0: like-minded investors? What do you think? So you've been involved, and I'm kind of looking at some of these. So you're involved in Sierra and Russell Westbrook's fashion line. You've got Russell Wilson, um, yeah. Russell Wilson, I'm sorry. You've got uh, cred AI, which I want to talk about because this, are, you know, our listeners would be interested in that. But you've got John Legend and Ben Simmons as a part of that. You got the vodka thing with Olivia Coppola. You got the tequila with LeBron. Why deal with celebrities? Are they tough to deal with, or do they bring a lot more than a guy like you can can do to get the product off the shelves? You know, I I think it's
1: kind of a- It's kind of like the marriage I just talked about, like if you put Griff and I together to start a business, right? Like he has certain superpowers that I don't have, right? You know, like, you know, he's going to put it out there. He can kind of think of the branding and the marketing, but like at the end of the day, that doesn't mean shit if we don't have it financially structured right. Okay. And so it all comes together. And so like, you know, whatever the deal is where, you know, celebrities are putting money in and, you know, so that the tequila deal, I'm really close with Maverick Carter, who's LeBron's partner. Mav and I would during COVID, you know, I would do these like tequila Zoom nights where I'd send tequila out to 20 guys or wine out and do a drink. (laughs) And so, like, I had been looking to buy a tequila. Uh, I'd been negotiating with one. It wasn't moving quickly enough. And um, Mav and LeBron stumbled upon it with this great founder, uh, this guy, Diego, who started, who's really the founder of uh, Lobos. And uh, they said, We're going in it. Do you want to come in? And so, you know, so sometimes I'm just joining in a deal that was already in existence. Sometimes I'm the guy putting the deal together where I just, you know, go to like-minded people uh, and say, you want to come in? And I, I, think, I think, as we talked about, Tom, before we started the, the, the pod, is that celebrities and entertainers and athletes today are really super interested in learning about business, okay? And so I spend a huge amount of time with my friends who are in, the, in that business, sports and entertainment, teaching them about like, you know, other businesses. Uh, they don't care about talking about the sports and what happened on the court or on the field, okay? You know, when I talk to Russell Wilson, we're not talking about how he did in the game. We're talking about like the different deals he wants to do. Um, and that's really how it's come about.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> an, an important thing I want to say too is you were talking about how celebrities and um, people have gotten a lot more interested in doing business lately. And I think it's because of that, <clears throat> that pattern of seeing the athletes and the, and the celebrities that didn't invest their money and do business compared to the ones that have like, you know, Jessica Alba, look at her compared to like, you know, there's people, there's people that have made quadruple the money in in their careers, but Jessica Alba is still coming out and, you know, like (laughs) she's, she's loaded. So you can look up her net worth. Um, So I think that's what started a movement. And then, also, I want to relate that just to the normal life, right? So for instance, there's, you have, you have me and I chose my career path and I'm always moving and outgoing. You have my brother also, which I've spoken to him about business before, but he's just one of those kids that like, you know, wants to work like his nine to five and be on a routine and be, be very simple. But, you know, it, depending on what you want to do, it's like either way, um, you know, it's just crucial to see that how much investing money can change your career and your life and set you up. Um, so I just wanted to relate that to anyone listening to this. It's like, regardless of whether you want to work that the 95 or you want to go and be a celebrity or, um, work in, in business in any way, shape or form or whatever it may be, it's just investing is crucial. And no matter how much money you make, um, someone, someone that can work a nine to five and invest their money could end up making more money than the, the person that was a celebrity for five years.
1: Well, by, by the way, that probably happens more times than not. And, you know, I, I spend a lot of time kind of like preaching, especially to athletes who have a window of time to make like big money. And then that window closes. Right. And, you know, one of, one of my friends on the say, it's just, you know, it, you know, as a rapper makes huge money, but I'm like, bro, like this could shut off tomorrow. And if you're, you know, pick a number, if what, what's it called, what are you spending a year to live on? I don't know, $3 million a year. I'm picking a number. Well, I said, dude, if you want to live on $3 million a year for the rest of your life, do you know how much money you need to have saved? He's like, I don't know. I said, 60 million bucks. 60 million bucks earning 5% will give you $3 million a year for the rest of your life. Maybe it'll do better and you could make more, but, but like, you know, it's not 10 million bucks, right? Like, and so No one thinks in like, look, I was a C student in school and I could spend hours talking about like, you know, how school was not as interesting to me. But the one thing I learned is like the power of like, you know, if your brother works hard, even in his nine to five job, but has money working for him outside of it, that helps sustain you and get you going. And, you know, I think finally a lot of athletes and entertainers are starting to realize that, like, put your money to work today and, you know, create something, know on the back end like if you look at like kd and rich cleman like what they're doing like same thing like they're trying to prepare kd up for like the future and they're building this great platform and that's how you create real wealth right like you plant the seeds early on and like i would encourage your listeners Griff, like that's the whole point like don't go party on the weekend spending all your money like it starts when you're in your 20s having the discipline to say that you know my my you know my part my mentor alan always said to me david whatever every dollar you spend on yourself. And like when I was in my twenties and thirties, he was like, it's a dollar that you don't have working for you somehow. And it's all about how you put your money to work. And like, that's what they should be teaching people in life. And they, we we just don't do a good job in society kind of educating folks on that.
2: Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a great point. That's exactly what people need to realize and what I've been trying to teach through my platforms.
0: And Griff, you're a great example because you're like the athlete or the rapper, right? I'm a regular guy and most people listening are like me where, hey, at 30, I I made more than when I was 20. When I'm 40, I'm going to make more than than when I was 30, right? You are like athletes, right? You're the opposite. Well, hopefully you're you're not. But most athletes and entertainers, they're making the most money earlier in their career. So they're going to do the opposite. They're going to make more at 20 than they're going to make at 60. And I think you guys have done a great job of knowing that and going, okay, my social media thing could end tomorrow. You know, people might not care about me on TikTok six months from now, it's that social media moves that quick. What's the next step? How do I you know, plan for when that day happens, if it happens? And I think you guys have done a great job of, of looking at that on the flip side. How many influencers do you know who are not taking that approach and do you have any funny stories of like guys are just pissing their money away and you know they're going to be through it in like a month?
2: I mean um, it's hard because like it's like 99% of them that don't. Uh, I feel like you know the top percent like you see people like Mr. Beast and David I don't know if you've seen him but he does a lot of business and uh, you know, Tanner Fox is, is amazing at it and he markets his brand really well, but like for the most part, if you want to see wasting money, just look at the hype house. Like, I don't want to be a, like a dick about it, but like, you know, look at their garage and like what they got going on and, um, you know, they're great kids, but I, I just don't see them, uh, having a lot going for them in the, in the future. And, and I worry about that. And, um, I, I think about it a lot actually. So. Maybe this will get back to them and they'll hear it. But uh, yeah, they're just like, you know, whenever you get this money as a kid, I mean, David, think about it. Um, you know, you, you're 18 to 20 years old. You're making uh, six figures a month to like, you know, 50K to six figures. And, uh, you know, there's girls and other guys that compete with in the space. You're in L.A. for the first time. You probably didn't grow up here. It's like these kids have no guidance you know they just left their parents and they're making this money and then they, uh, the sad part is is most people were not taught in school how important investing is and you know building a brand and making sure that you make your money work for you so um one of my big goals is to i guess market that to the schools and be like hey you guys should start teaching this and um you know getting involved with that because you know knowing the every capital and of the united states is important but not if you don't know how to make money and save your money so
1: well look it's even one step worse all these guys making 50 to 100k a month you know there's this thing called taxes right and like they forget that like 50 cent like but like it's crazy i can't even tell you how many people i i I see who are like they 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 make that money and they forget that 50 percent of it isn't theirs um I I used to, I used to do this thing with one of my daughters. Uh, I have two daughters. One's really into like art and one's really into kind of business and things a little more like me. And when she was a kid, she loved apples. I'd cut up her apples into four pieces, but I'd only give her three. And she's like, why are you only giving me three? And I'm like, taxes. Okay. And it was like a joke but like, I actually wanted her to understand, like, you're not going to keep everything you get. Like, and so I, you know, Griff, you probably know better than me. How many guys out there are getting these like influencer deals, not even thinking about putting away for taxes because no one's withholding for it. And you're going to hear about all these rich guys that you thought were rich making a million bucks a year at, you know, in their early twenties. And they're like, Oh shit, I owe the government
2: money. Sorry, I forgot. I muted. Yeah. It's, um, it's crazy because especially in, you know, California, I think it's up to like 54, 52. I can't remember. Yeah, exactly. off the top of my head. Um, I can't remember. Cause it's like changing and it's always, it's been moving around lately, but I think it's 52 now and you know, yeah, great, great. Okay. So you made a million dollars this year, right? <clears throat> that means you had $500,000 basically to spend. And I guarantee you, you go down the list and not a single, uh, not a single kid from TikTok that makes a million dollars, if they're not in the sway house, has saved up enough money to pay back that that other half.
1: Listen, I, I'm telling you, I, I have a good buddy. It's crazy. I, I have a good buddy who's 40, who's like a really like well-to-do plastic surgeon in New York. Okay, the guy's a stud. Okay, and. You know, I'm like, hey, man, and he's making big money and he's got other doctors working for him, making big money. And I'm like, you know, have you thought about taxes? And he's like, yeah, you know, I put away and whatever. I'm like, I don't know if my staff does because he pays this. I'm like, you got to tell him. And all of a sudden, like some of his staff was like crying because they spent all their money and they're making big money because they don't think about it. It's like a real issue and that we don't teach anyone. It's crazy.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know.
0: David, you know, David, the other project I like that you're involved in that the audience, um, I think, would benefit from is what's Cred AI. So explain that and explain how that can help the average person out there. So you know,
1: and Griff knows a little bit about it. So we're we're coming out with in the next few weeks with a huge launch on that. So let, let me come back next time and talk a little more <laughs> about it. But okay. what I would say is that cred.ai is going to revolutionize the fintech and neobank space, um, you know, in, in a way, in an authentic, transparent way that hasn't been done before. Um, people can go to the website cred.ai and learn about it. Um, but we've got this pretty cool launch that's coming out. We're talking to Griff about getting involved. I think it's a real fit for him and what we're trying to do, you know, from, and, and it's a real tremendous financial wellness tool uh, that's coming out. And so um, I, I'd say just bear with me because we got some pretty cool planned and uh, I, I don't want to, you know, my partners who, uh, who uh, Griff has met would be pissed at me if I kind of uh, spoiled <laughs> the cat a little bit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, that's another thing, you know, we, we, we talk about marketing on here a lot. That is a Very difficult space to tackle is Gen Z finance. Um, You know, and me and the boys have crazy audiences and usually we have really great conversion rates. But when it comes to talking about like real world things and, you know, money and all of that, the engagement really starts to uh, plummet. So that's that's definitely something we've been working on and finally building it up uh, after a lot of repetition we've finally been able to catch with that. And I I've tried and done a lot of trial and error. So it took me about three months to get anyone to even listen, uh, to what we had to say and a lot of proving a lot of an, us investing and, uh, showing people that, uh, that w- we actually know what we're talking about. So that, that was a tough one until you can show returns on something you've invested in or something you've built. Um, you know, it, it it's almost impossible. So, that's a tough market. I, I, I am very curious to see how companies that don't have influencers that have already done it before are actually going to get it to stick in Gen Z. It's going to be very okay. difficult.
1: You know, but, I, but like here, here's the whole thing. And, you know, Griff and I haven't talked about this and we may disagree about it. But like to me, like the whole influencer thing, if it's not authentic, then I think it's bullshit, right?
2: 100%. It doesn't work.
1: You know, and so, you know, I, I think what's important is that people believe in the authenticity of the product. And so like, you know, cred AI, like, you know, so John legends, one of my partners in one of his businesses, he knew about what this is doing. You know, the fact that we never pay, there's no fees, no interest on this. You can't overspend and cred AI builds your credit. He's like, this is a good guy, good gal product. I want to be associated with Right. Um, you know, and, and so like the whole thing about it is like, it, it allows you you spend like you're using a debit card, but you build your credit. And, and like, I, I believe that people should only align with where their values are. And so like, like, when I see like an influencer doing something and you know promoting some like food or beverage or something, and you know that it's just a transactional kind of thing, it's not authentic, right? And so like this uh, beverage thing I mentioned earlier, this drink called Vibe, which is a ready to drink vodka flavored vodka, it's going to be a flavor tequila. Olivia Colpo came in. She's like, I want to be a partner. She wrote a check invested. And she's like, I want to help design the flavors. Right. And so she got really into it. Um, that's authentic to me. You know, and so like to me is there's such a differential. And I think people's bullshit detectors go off when it's just like a transactional
2: post. One hundred percent. It's oh, go ahead, Tom.
0: I was just going to say, Griffin, to your point earlier, it's tough because it's not sexy. It's like Griffin, you, your fans want to know who are you dating? What trauma are you involved in? You know, when we look at the numbers, right? We look at them, the, who listens to this podcast who you know versus who listens to your other stuff. It's way off, right? So how do you, and this is for both of you guys, how do you get Gen Z excited about investing? I mean, when it's so far from their mind on a day-to-day basis.
2: Yeah. It's um, I think, you know, the only thing that you can do is show them that it will actually make them money. Because if you just tell them about all the semantics, first off, they're probably not going to understand the lingo. Um, And second off, they don't really care yet. So you just have to show them like, Hey, this can make you money. Here's me making money. And then they're like, and then when they, they see that, then they're like, Oh, okay, that works. I can make money on that. Put like easy. If you can show them, they can make easy money without having to work for it. Um, oh, someone keeps telling me if you can make easy money without working, that's when that's whenever you get that Gen Z, like to really grasp onto what you're talking about. Yeah.
1: And look, that, that's like, you know, as we're talking about credit, I'm leaking a little bit about it, but it's like, you know, it, it's all about building a financial future and wellness. And, um, you know, it, it it's going to become the thing in everyone's mobile wallet once it comes out. I mean, we did a demo for Griff. He saw it and, and like, it's technology that's not out there yet. Um, but, like, for me, again, like, I think it's okay, you know, especially where, where the times are, you know, I don't think anyone should feel embarrassed about making money doing well as long as you're doing good along the way. And so, when I can align with the brand like Cred, where I have two founder partners um, that are, you know, young guys that have, like, said, like, hey, we have to fix a broken system out there of you know financial wellness and things like that. Like let's do it, you know. Um, and so to me, that's the most important thing I can do. Or like I have a brand that uh, I you know Tom, I don't know how much of your show is you know kind of you know female versus male. We didn't even talk about it, but um, I have two female founders that I backed. They they went to Harvard Business School, took their business plan for a uh, for like a class, and launched a business on everyday shoes for females, like for, you know, going to work and like, you know, imagine being in LA or New York and you're in the city and you're like, you know, you want comfortable shoes to go work, to walk to work that don't look like these shitty like shoes. And so like they invented custom shoes, stylish shoes for women. Like you can have your foot measured and do it. Like they're made in Spain, like really high quality stuff. It's called Margot. And these two women took their business plan from from business school, put it into action. And to just see them hit the ground running is like amazing to me.
0: David, and I know we have a hard stop at the top of the hour. So there's a couple more things I want to get to. Really, it's about the listener, who's listening now, and you know what you can do to help them. So you guys and Griffin, too, you guys both have a strong entrepreneurial, you know, spirit about you, and you're involved in a million projects. What does the young person do? And I was like this: regular person who wants to get wants to be an entrepreneur but has no idea what kind of business, right? I don't know if I want to own a dry cleaner or I want to own a marketing company or, or what. What direction or how do you help them figure that out? What do they do? So, so here's what here's the kind of the, the
1: analog I always say is not once do I wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to work. I say, I'm going to my office. And you might say, well, what's the difference? The difference is it doesn't feel like work, okay? And so I tell everyone out there, I don't give a shit what you do. What makes you happy? What do you think about all the time, even when you're not there? And that's what you should do. And do it differently. Do it better. And do it more creatively than someone who's currently doing it. Okay? Like, I I look at what we're doing, even at campus apartments, okay? People have been going to college for hundreds of years. There was always some place to leave live. That was student housing early on. Okay. We just decided to take it and evolve it. You know, I might have rock climbing walls and gyms and, you know, crazy amenities now at the properties, but it's the same thing. And so like I'm doing it smarter and doing it better. And so to me, people need to be happy first. Okay. Cause like find what gives you passion, what makes you happy, what you like doing. And I don't want to say nine times out of 10, but seven or eight times out of 10, you'll, you'll do well with it and be financially successful in that too. Okay. Um, it doesn't matter what it is, but if you like what you do and you bring that positive energy to it, you're going to
2: succeed. Yeah, I agree. And and, and even that, <clears throat> so, you know, whenever you're you're building something, it's like, people always say like, like when you say, what do you like to do? They, they think it literally, and I used to think this when people used to tell me, what do you like to do? I'd literally think it was like, well, I like to eat. Like, that's what I think. <laughs> but like, like what what interests you right so like you know i you know elon musk wasn't like i like building electric cars that's what i like to do every day but like it was all the things that interested him like you know and then now yeah spacex so obviously he was he didn't go to space and and hop on the moon once a week and be like i love this it was just space interested him to a point where he wanted to find a way to connect with it and that's like any business it's like for instance a kid's like he can they can say i like eating food and then, and then you would be like okay so you're interested in like the art of food so like is there something you can create like a utensil for the kitchen or like whatever um you know your own condiment like it, 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 you just got to get creative with it so i i wanted to add on to that because whenever i first got into tiktok and people were asking me like you know what do you what do you what like to do like what do you want to build i'd be like well i really i really like you know like, uh, soda, like, you know, like whatever it's like, I, I can, I guess I can drink soda on a live stream and make a business out of it. And they're like, no, 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 Like, you know, you, you, you got to build around it. Right.
0: Griffin, you would still get viewers. If you did that, you could fucking be drinking a soda and there would be millions of people watching. Well,
2: I mean, now the guys have an energy drink, so it's like, you know, you, you work around it, man. You find ways. It's like, that's, 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 that's what I wanted to say about that. Um, because it used to really make me mad when people would say that because I couldn't build a business on every single thing that I like to do.
0: David, what about, um, you know, I'm the, I'm the regular guy, so, you know, I can relate to the young kid who's 15 or 20 and listen to this. Okay, early seed investments sound cool as fuck. All that stuff sounds badass, right? But I'm obviously not an accredited investor. I can't get involved in any of this shit. What can I do now, I mean, should I, how much, what percentage should I put in the savings account? How much should I be saving? Should I put some in the stock market buy a mutual fund? Like, what should I be doing? Yeah, I mean, look, for
1: the first thing is create a budget and figure out, like, what are your necessities and what are your luxuries, right? And, and, and build that piece of it, right? Like, so, like, look at your life and say, like, what are my necessities? What do I have left? And you know what's my disposable money to, to save and to put to work, okay? And, and and I would also say that like part of that is when you're building, like it's kind of just your financial piece, but like your networking, building relationships also create those opportunities financially as well. And so you know, look, I'm not I'm not a great stock picker, okay? Like I, I, I'm probably the worst stock picker, okay? But my daughter and I just opened up a Robinhood account. The same daughter who i taught about taxes she's, she's 16 and we put some money in and i'm like hey let's find stocks that you think are going to do well once we're out of COVID, okay so like you know she's like well, what do you think dad i was like well maybe we should buy an oil stock right people are going to start driving more and more airplanes like you know whatever and like that she's like oh you know she actually liked this one energy drink. I don't I won't say it. and she bought it and it's up 20%. She's doing way better than me. Um, but like, look, the stock market, you know, in I think some of it there's a little exuberance with Robinhood. It makes it a little too easy. And you've seen a lot of people buy crypto. like to me, the crypto is going up right now because everyone took their uh checks from the government stimulus and just bought crypto with it. They don't know what to do. Um, I don't know, you know, but but putting money in the bank is never gonna hurt you. OK, putting money to work in some sort of index or stock market fund or something like an ETF that's playing a wide pool. It makes sense. Invest in relationships. And over time, you'll, you'll make small investments with other people and other businesses that you can do. And that makes sense. Um, and, you know, I always say to everyone, people are like, oh, I've got all those cash and it's not earning any interest because it's low. I was like, listen, no one ever went broke having cash in the bank. Right. Like, and so like your time will come to put it to work and to figure out something else, you know, or like someone will be like, I want to buy a duplex and start getting into real estate. And I'm like, bro, trust me, like you don't want that call at two in the morning when like the toilet's overflowing. You mean has got like, why don't you buy like some real estate index in the stock market? There's your real estate exposure, right? Like there's things you can solve for even at a smaller dollar amount that get you in the game a little bit.
0: And David, I, I've got two things I want to hit. And Griffin, don't worry. You're going to have time to ask <laughs> some final questions too. I don't want to hijack Go ahead, way. go ahead. I got two things and you guys, it's really for both of you. I want to talk about your charity work, David, uh, in a sec. Um, but the one thing we can all benefit from, time management. Okay. So you've got like four jobs. So you're campus apartments, wheels up, FS investments, Darko Capital. And I just count five boards that you're on. Um, both business and charity boards you're on. Plus you got kids and a family. How, what does your day look like? How do you manage it? And Griffin, I've seen your calendar. I know kind of how you do this too. David, how do you manage all this shit?
1: You know, it's funny because pre-COVID, I was, you know, I, I was on the road or in the air, you know, using the wheels up Moniker. I was flying 200 hours a year, right? Because we have properties all over the country, business all over the country, um, and always on the go and then you're like, oh, COVID, you're, you're working from home or work whatever. I'm fucking busier now. Like I, I had to have a conversation with my assistants. I'm like, listen, like, you gotta give me like 10 minutes to go take a piss between calls. Cause like, I'm literally like I've like, like we're They just think you go boom, 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 boom. Like when you're in an office, you're walking around, you're like checking in on people. Like, I think everyone is working way harder right now than they've ever worked. And so the short answer is I'm trying to find time to do everything calls are going later into the night weekends, whatever, but like, you know, whether it's family time or whatever, like I'm saying, okay, Hey, from five to seven, I'm not doing anything, but be with my family. I might pick up calls starting at seven or eight o'clock at night, but like, I'm going to start to create that space. Cause if you don't, and and by the way, my kids growing up, will tell you that I was never, I wasn't here for a big part of their younger years. And I regret that, but you know, you you, kind of learn and evolve, but, uh, you make time for what's important. You know, I've learned that, you know, as I've been more successful, giving back charity wise is important. And so I've devoted to say like, there's certain times that I'm going to just focus on those charity boards or whatever and give back.
2: Yeah, I would, I, I would agree with that. I mean, think about it this way. A phone call travels a lot faster than a, than a car. So, you know, pre COVID you had to drive to your meetings and you could actually like, you know, he was flying to some of his meetings. Whereas now, you just have a call for it. So, like, you look at my schedule today. I'm on. I think, I think I have 30 minutes at at 1 p.m. And other than that, I've been on back to back calls from 8 a.m. today until like 8 p.m. tonight, with like a 30 minute break to eat. And like, I'm supposed to film content and post and blah 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 blah. It's like when I, I've been on calls this morning since 8 o'clock. It's 11. It's like what, right. you know? So like it's interesting for sure because COVID has made people a lot more accessible with a lot less excuses not to pick up the phone and answer so
0: yeah, and
1: I, I think everyone's also trying to prepare for like post-covid right so everyone's like amped up like to hit the ground running like let's go um and i'm, I'm feeling that now more than ever like there's a little bit of a lull like year-end and now everyone kind of sees like the vaccines coming, like, you know, let's make some plans. And like, so I think everyone is ready to just get deals done and do business.
0: Guys, uh, before we wrap up too, talk about charities. Griff, I know you've done a bunch. You've donated to Mass to your high school and stuff, which is cool. David, you're on, you know, you did a lot of stuff for COVID. You're involved in charities. Talk about that, how important it is. You yeah, know, how do you make time for it? You know, how important it is. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I think like when COVID hit, you know, certainly, you know, here in Philly, food insecurity became really important and we gave there. And then, you know, Michael Rubin's one of my closest friends. He did the all-in challenge and, you know, my wife and I got pretty involved with that. We thought it was important um, what he did and what he was supporting. And then, you know, I, I think that, you know, whether it's, you know. Kid, you know, school kids needing computers or needing books or whatever it is, your internet bandwidth. Like, you could pick the charity. There's no shortage in this country, unfortunately, of need. Um, I'm also on the board of you know the Penn Health System here, which is a big hospital system here. Because I feel like you know, kind of the medical needs are really important. Um, and, and so, look, you know, what I what I say to people, and especially young people, is like, do something, give something. And if at 22 years old, all you can give is $50 a year to something get the reps in of being used to giving. doesn't matter the dollar amount, but I think it's really important psychologically that you start thinking about giving, um, whatever it is. And then second, um, you know, I'm pretty busy, Chris, pretty busy, you're pretty busy. Give a little of your time. Um, I, I think, you know, it's important to kind of see when you're giving money to what, what it's really doing and what, you know, when you find something that you're passionate about or like a problem that needs to be solved. I think, investing a little time and a little knowledge most of these charities like i i could think that there are probably so many charities that could benefit from griff's knowledge of marketing like how do you market the needs that that particular you know charity has better than like the old fashioned way they've been doing it right and so like you know giving a little donating your time i would encourage people is just as important as a little bit of money
2: yeah that's great that's uh it's definitely a good repetition and like a a good thing to have in your mind when you're doing stuff and You know, back when, what, five months ago and six months ago when Sway was in the prime of being, you know, shitheads. uh, I mean, I don't think we've thought about giving to, you know, anyone else but what we wanted to do. So it creates a pretty toxic environment. So I really like what David just said about that because when you start giving back and we've gone out and handed out blankets and food and drinks lately to, you know, people in the community that don't have a home and are on the streets and stuff. And it's, it'll give you a lot of perspective. So I do like what, um, you know, David's saying it doesn't, it's not even about the money. It's about the time and like the thought in that perspective. So super dope. I like that. I, I like that idea.
0: David, good stuff. Guys, I'm looking at the clock. Now we have three minutes to the top of the hour. So let's fucking end this and go take a piss. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm <always gonna> be. <laughs> oh yeah great, guys. oh yeah
2: that's
0: a good david, way to end sure. david thank you yeah, so much man. for
1: hopping on guys i'll talk soon be well griff take
2: care of man. Hey, thank you david thanks for hopping on man of course thanks guys Bye. see you